Welcome to the Truth for Doubt podcast, where we like to talk about theology, apologetics, and try to have a little fun along the way. Join us as we navigate through life from a Christian worldview. Welcome back to the Truth for Doubt podcast, the only podcast where you get to hear the silky smooth voice of Dr. Ethan Hunley. And Reverend Michael so, Badger. Take that, the Gospel Coalition podcast. Reverend, do they have a podcast? Uh, no, okay. the only Christian podcast <laughs> that exists is the Truth for Doubt podcast. Yep. All Don't others, look for the Gospel Coalition podcast. All others are false gospels. Oh, man, don't say that. Maybe not. Don't <laughs> <laughs> get us in trouble. Um, uh, so welcome. I'm glad that we're back together. Yeah. yeah it's been it's a little been while. Like, how long has it been since we were both in this room recording the podcast? <sighs> you were gone for two weeks. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's been longer than that. My voice just cracked. <laughs> but I feel like it's been longer <laughs> than that. Yeah, so my wife and I were in New England because we were wanting to do church planning up there. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who, who want to know and care, uh, we're looking at Vermont to to do church planting. So be in prayer for that. Um, and that, if that's also something that you want to support, then you can go to truthfordoubt.com slash give. Or you can also mm-hmm. give to the church planning efforts and the Truth For Doubt podcast and ministry at patreon.com slash T, the number four, the. So anyway, that, yep. that quick little plug. Yeah. And well, and while we're at it, let's plug the church planning network up there. Yeah, um, Vermont so Church Planning Network is... VermontChurchPlanning.com, is that their website? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they were awesome. So we were able to spend some time with them, um, talk about the need that is in Vermont. It's the least Christian uh, state in the country. Yeah. And is it three percent? Is that? Uh, I think the numbers are anywhere between one percent to three percent. Okay. Um, Bible believing evangelical Christians. Gotcha. So it just a, depends on your source, I'm sure. Okay. Um, there may be some that are higher than that, but that's usually I think between one to three percent. Okay. So yeah, so that's where we are wanting to uh, do church planning. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, definitely. So switching things over real quick, we were talking about right before we started what you wanted. Um, so we were talking about what you're like, what you want to say at the beginning of every podcast. Are you wanting to have like a, yeah, like a, I don't know, like a, okay. Like so, a catchphrase? Um, there's, there's one other podcast that I listen to a lot, uh-huh. like consistently. And I try not to do things on this podcast to just copy that because I'm a big fan. Yeah. But this does come from that. But I want to do it differently. Right. Anyways. So the other podcast is the relevant podcast. Oh, okay. Um, Shout out, go listen to it. It's pretty good. But each each host, I guess, whatever the term is, at the beginning when they introduce the the people hosting, each person usually says something different. Like there's this girl on there, Annie F. Downs, who will say like "Good morning, gents," and then there's another guy who will say "Hello, hello," and everyone says, but like they do, they say the same thing at the beginning of right, every single right. podcast. Yeah, and I was we were just talking about. I want to figure out something to so, do. So, like, throw some out right now. What are you? What? What? What you thinking of? Huh? Okay. Um, there's the classic. Heidi Ho. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Heidi Ho neighbor, right? Uh, yeah, Tim Heidi the Ho Taylor. Yeah, there you go. Um, there's a. Uh, I don't know. Howdy. There's what's up? Like zippity zoo. How are you guys what doing? About that one? Yeah, <laughs> I'll oh give gosh. you that one. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, that could be yours. 
Well, no, I say the Welcome to the Truth Route podcast. That's my thing. Okay. All right. Yeah, see, that's the thing. All the all the ideas that I have are just real stupid. Yeah. And I can't well, think of a good one. Next podcast, we're, we're going to be looking forward to hearing what your, right. what your Give me some homework. intro thing will be. Okay. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Um, so, as usual, we said this probably a little bit too late in. We uh, just kind of hang out and talk about goofy things for the first little bit. So, if you want to get into more of the meat of the podcast... Just fast forward like 15, 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And you can avoid all the silliness and, and revelry. <laughs> revelry? Re- revelry. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but right now, I want to enter into a brand new segment oh, of the Truth for Doubt podcast called... Explain that, Ethan. Ex- oh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. You know how this started? No, I don't. Because last podcast, I was explaining different ways that you can bring up um, gospel conversations. Oh yeah. And one of the things that you do when you are trying to figure out what another person believes is just ask clarifying questions. Oh, so what do you like, mean you, by that? What do you mean by that? Will right. you will you clarify that? Yeah. And you did that to me. Yeah. And I didn't even notice that you were doing it to me. <laughs> and yeah, but then I told you afterwards. Yeah, said, exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. And so you pointed it out, and I wanted to not get back at you. Okay. But kind of get back at you. Okay. For All it. right. And the way the segment works is that I'm going to ask you about certain stories and have you explain it to me. Oh. And I think this is going to be more fun for me than it is for you. So, okay. Um, this should be interesting. In high school, and I got these from your wonderful wife, Lacey. Oh, goodness. In okay. high school, you had a friend group that was called the Nerd Herd. Explain that, Ethan. <laughs> so, to, to, so, it wasn't high school. It was middle school. And, oh, okay. and elementary to middle, middle school. We went to a private school, and we would go out on the playground, and so we would play tag a lot, but then the new Pokemon came out. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, of course like, I remember that. Yeah. The OG, the original Pokemon. Yeah, like red, blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I never I never played the game. I liked the like little figures and stuff, but like me and my friend group would be out like playing Pokemon and stuff, and playing video games and stuff on the uh, on the playground. And at some point, I do specifically remember, I don't remember who it was, but I remember a guy coming by and saying something, I don't remember if he was talking about us and I overheard it, or if he was speaking directly at us, calling mm-hmm. us the nerd herd. But yeah, that was a thing. Awesome. Yeah, I was part of a nerd herd. All right. Also, at one time, you had a band named Ben Franklin and the Crispy Hundos. Oh, yeah. And you played covers of Christian worship, worship radio music at youth groups and quinceañeras? Quinceañeras. You played at a quinceañera once? Well, one, yeah. I yeah. mean, it wasn't multiple quinceañeras. Well, first you got to explain Benjamin Franklin and the Crispy Hundos. Yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> it was, uh, okay. Your information's not right. <laughs> All from Lacey. Lacey doesn't know all the details. Okay. So it wasn't Christian radio covers. Okay. So I was actually in, I was in a youth worship band and we started writing our own like Christian songs. Yeah. And, and we called the band Table for 12. Get it? Disciples? Yeah. Uh, anyways. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, anyways, we, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about all this right now. <laughs> I'm really happy about it. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and so, anyways, um, we were in that band, 
and we played in that band for a little while and our lead singer which i still regret this like to this day so we did we played with that band all through high school yeah and our guitar player um he would he started writing songs kind of on the side mm-hmm. and his style and sort of his song i don't just his whole musical style was super different than the lead singer who was singing for table for 12 oh, okay uh, and we were all like buds i mean we we're all like best friends yeah um and we get to college and uh and like we we're wanting to practice more and play and stuff more and it didn't really seem like or like the like the lead singer who was singing uh, Table for Twelve, yeah, was really as interested, and so we were like, "Hey man, like we're gonna start playing music with with Zach," and and so we essentially started a side project. So there was five guys in Table for Twelve, and we started a side project with four of those guys, <laughs> <laughs> and just excluded Josh. Oh man, and anyways. I've I've since apologized for him and been like, you know what? I don't have many I don't have many regrets in life, but that was one of them. Poor Josh. Because yeah, it 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 was not a cool move. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, so that was not that wasn't cool. Got it. Anyways, so the side project. Yeah. Story's not over oh, yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. You're I was, ready for I was the ready story. For the next one. Yeah, yeah. It's not yet. Yeah. Keep going. So uh, so this new this new group or I say new group, same guys, we just excluded Josh. <laughs> we uh, we called it, uh, we couldn't think of a fun, of a good name, so uh, we settled on Ben, it wasn't Benjamin Franklin, it was Ben Franklin and the Crispy Hundos. And our very first show, we, <laughs> we played, uh, we actually played after Table for 12, which was a really... In hindsight, looking looking back, really weird yeah. because the whole band played, and then Josh stepped off the stage, and then the whole band played again, <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, like gosh. in hindsight, I'm like, this was awful. Like, why did we? It, it was really stupid. Um, That's so funny. But our first show, Zach, the uh, the singer and songwriter, wore a Benjamin Franklin costume <laughs> with like the bald cap and everything. Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> it was really fun. That's awesome. Like, yeah. it was really cool. Oh, so right. yeah, that's 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 probably Franklin more story than you windows. wanted, but hey, no, that's I, it. I enjoyed every second of it. Um, so one time you made a girl cry because you threw a note that she thought you'd written her in the mud. Explain that, Ethan. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. This is really going back. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so this was early. Oh, this was also brought to us by your friend Nikita, by the way. Oh, all right. Thanks, Nikita. Um, uh, <laughs> Nikita would know about this. Uh, so, yeah, actually, I think Nikita was standing right beside me when this happened. So, <clears throat> this was probably middle school to early high school, maybe freshman year. Um, we we used to do, like, science class outside, sort of behind the school we were doing different like outdoor projects and stuff, and uh, there was this. It had rained, and so you know, there's like puddles and stuff around. And we were kind of behind the gym, and there was this girl who uh, was maybe one or two grades behind me, um, who had a crush on me, and I thought she was kind of. I I I, I wasn't interested, and I was like, ah, yeah, she's just kind of annoying, you know. Um, 
And uh, I'm sorry if you're actually out there listening. <laughs> I don't think you're annoying now. I, I feel like I have to Would say that. Would she know this story, do you think? I, 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 I have mean, it no sounds idea. like it broke her heart. I haven't actually seen her in yeah. like years and years and years. So I, who knows? I don't know. And so anyways, uh, she had written me like, I guess a love letter or like a little note that was like asking me out or something or saying that she was interested. Honestly, I don't even remember. It was, it was some, it was something, but I had, I had folded up and put it in my pocket. And so we're walking back to the gym, um, like finishing science class and she happened to be walk like it was in class chains. And so she happened to be walking outside at the time and, and, as we're walking back in, uh, like me and Nikita are walking uh, beside each other, and I look down, and there's this piece of paper on the ground, and I'm like, oh, there's like a note or something, I don't know, and so I reach down and pick it up, and like it's just like scrap paper or something, like it's like it's a piece of garbage, yeah, and so I'm like, oh, and so I just drop it back on the ground. Well, at that exact moment, I think she had she was looking, uh, like she happened to turn and look, and and she just saw me throw this piece of paper on the ground. Uh, like back in this mud hole or whatever, and she assumed that I was throwing her note, like just on the like just discarding oh, it to man. the side, right? Um, and yeah, I later found out that like she cried because of that. I think. Oh my goodness! How did so, you find out? Nikita, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, I don't really remember. Yeah, I don't know. Man, so I'm a pretty oblivious person. Yeah, and heartless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got one more. Um, oh man. And, uh, well, we got a couple more, but I'm going to stop it here. Um, so you used to have uh, a swoop haircut, like, Justin Bieber and, style. Yeah, that's what this says. Like straight baby Bieber. That's what the that's baby what, Bieber. That's what the message says. Uh, and they used to count your friends. I assume used to count how many times that you swooped your hair. So explain that, Ethan. Yeah. So <laughs> did you just idolize Bieber? Or was this before? No, this was pre pre Biebs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I I it wasn't about Justin Bieber. It was okay. just I just happened to I, I wanted to grow my hair out long. Yeah, and I pushed it to the side just because I didn't want my bangs in my face, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it just kind of became this like big swoop. So it wasn't really on purpose. It was just kind of like how it it just happened that way. I guess so. Yeah. I, I don't. I I wasn't like I wasn't purpose. I don't ever remember having the thought. I'm going to grow out a big swoop. Right, you know, I mean, right. I, that wasn't ever a thought. So I guess, I don't was it per, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and so, uh, but with the like swooping, like I got in this habit of, I I kind of toss my head to the side uh-huh. to, to get my bangs out of my, out of my eyes. Yeah. Like I, I and sometimes I'd reach up and push them, but most of the time I just kind of toss my head to the side. And and it would just kind of it would just kind of go go out of your face. Yeah, you get out the I way. I can't really make fun of you because I had the exact same thing in high school. So <laughs> it was the thing to do. Yeah, like it was yeah. the look. Like it wasn't like mine was just more shaggy than it was like purposefully like the Justin Bieber looking thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I did the same thing. Like I had that like weird neck jerk that yeah made yeah. it the, go over the twitch. Stuff. Where you're <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Instead of getting a haircut, I'm just going to give myself scoliosis. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, that was the segment. Explain that, Ethan. So bum, bum, I look bum, forward to doing... <laughs> I know we need to get some music in here, some bumper music yeah. for that. Um, but I look forward to playing this again and like digging deeper 
yeah. into into the person that is Ethan Hunley. Yeah, Dr. Well, uh, Ethan Hunley. Okay. You'll get nothing on me. You're looking at me we'll like see. you want to play. We'll see. Play. Yeah, we no, will. No, my wife is a closed book. Mm. She will not betray me. I know other people too. Oh, crap. You do, don't you? I didn't think about that. I sure do. Oh, no. Josh, <laughs> you better not open your mouth. All right. <laughs> oh, man. This is fun. Yeah, this, this was fun. fun. Have this we filled 15 minutes? Uh, I think was we have. Wow. Oh, 17 minutes. I think that was perfect. So, for uh, also for those of you who aren't here, my face is exploding. My allergies have just like come at me with a vengeance, and so I can't really breathe through my nose at the moment. Like he's crying right now. I feel like I'm crying. <laughs> I w- I actually I was sneezing so much the other day that I had like tears running down my face. Oh. And <laughs> Kayla, instead of just being like, "Oh man, I'm so sorry that you uh, that you're you know feeling so bad and stuff," instead of saying that and like handing me a tissue, she was just like. Wipe your face. I don't like it when you cry. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. <laughs> you're, the, you're so sweet. My wife is really sweet, but that is something that she said. <laughs> Wipe your face, girl. Isn't that a book? That's what I, that's what oh, I thought yeah. about. <laughs> All oh, right. Goodness. So now it's time to get into uh, get into a little bit more serious territory. Um, so last week, like I said, we talked about how you can start up conversations with unbelievers. And we mostly focused on the five big questions that every worldview has to answer um, in order to uh, you know, be a sufficient worldview mm-hmm. um, and how you can kind of piggyback off of those questions in order to have gospel conversations, in order to strike up gospel conversations. Using the five big questions, you can uh, use the answers that they give those as a springboard into gospel conversations. Yeah. Um, but I've been reading this book lately that is it's really good, and it was suggested to me by a friend up in Vermont, and it's by uh, these two fellas named Tim Chester and Steve Timmis, and it's called Everyday Church. Cool. Um, gospel Communities on a Mission. So it's cool. It's about what it sounds like it's about. Um, but they have a chapter in here about everyday evangelism, and they I think they have a really cool approach to starting gospel conversations. And I really I got really excited about it, and I wanted to share it with with not only you, Ethan, but other people as well. Because yeah, um, I hadn't really heard of this book before it was recommended to me. So I don't know if anybody else has. Um, but if you get the chance, pick up this book, read it. It's it's fantastic. Um, so one of the ways that they say that you can start up gospel conversations um, is by using the fact that everybody speaks in stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that we see this happening all the time. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure, Ethan, at your work, you'll have a nurse or a doctor or something like that who will come up to you and tell you a story about something that happened to them during their day or... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, earlier in the podcast, I mean explain that ethan yeah, i mean those are all stories yeah. a bunch of stories yeah <laughs> right totally um and so the authors of this book they point out how a lot of these stories follow kind of a gospel formula um and so what they mean by that is a lot of these stories have a creation aspect a fall aspect a redemption and then finally a consummation aspect uh, and so what this means, so what this looks like from a um, from a Christian's perspective or from a biblical perspective is that the creation is that we are made in God's image to reflect his glory 
to love God and to love others. So that, that's what we were created to do. Then we had a fall and we have rebelled against God's rule. But our self-rule leads to conflict, slavery, and judgment. And then we have a redemption to that problem, to the right. fall problem, which is God restores his rule by sending his son and graciously enables us to live under his rule by paying the price of our judgment on the cross. And then finally, the, the outcome of that, the consummation, where God will recreate this broken world when Jesus returns. And now what people will do in everyday life is kind of just replace the uh, the definitions, if you will, of each of those categories okay. with something that's going on in their life. So does that make any sense whatsoever so far? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So one of the examples that it gives is someone who is struggling with like weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that with a creation is I'm meant to be happy and valued. That's what I was created for. That's kind of what what's in their mind. Right. Um, but their problem or their fall is that I am not physically attractive enough because I'm overweight. Mm-hmm. That's what they think the main problem is. Now they think that the the redemption or the salvation comes from changing their bodies through willpower and weight loss and exercise. That is what's going to ultimately save them. Yeah. And then the result of that or the consummation is that I hope my body will be transformed because then then I will be appreciated, happy and valued. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Does yeah. that make any sense whatsoever? Have you yeah. like seen examples of that in your own life? Um, yes, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I, being in the hospital, there's, I feel like there's constant, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be negative and say complaining. Um, but there's sort of a constant like, oh gosh, I can't believe this happened. Or, you know, uh, I can't believe they said this or can't believe they did this. Or yeah. I can't believe this order didn't get done, you know, when I ordered it, like, um. Uh. I don't, there's just constant things like that. Right. Um. Which, really, I mean, it really does follow the same mm, scaffolding. You know, the same formula. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's really interesting too because one of the points that they make is that everyone is they're always looking for salvation. Right. They think that they have a a primary problem in their life, and they think that if they can just apply the salve to it, or if they can apply this salvation principle then the rest of their life will be totally fine. If they can just, I don't know, if they can just do this one thing to fix their marriage, the rest of their life will fall into place. If they can just beat their obesity, then everything else will be totally fine. They're always looking for this thing to save them from what they are, um, what they're trying to, uh, I don't know, they're, they're, they're trying to find that salvation to save them from what they think that that fall problem is. Right, right. Yeah. There's sort of this constant struggle against something. You know, because even even if it's even if it's quitting smoking or losing weight, um, say say they do that, you know, you, right. you do that and you overcome it. There's something else, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, when you go through that process and you beat it, you mm-hmm. know, um, and you come out on the other side, there's always something else, right. um, something else to beat and something else to overcome. You know, like there's never a, a full satisfaction there. And I think, too, it also helps us. So when, when people are talking about these things, and not only unbelievers, but when believers are talking about these things, too, because I yeah. can get caught up in this as well. Absolutely. Um, but we can often identify the idols in other people's lives by what they believe that that um, salvation thing is. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people will 
make exercise an idol because they think that that is what's going to save them in their life. Right. Um, they think it's the thing that's going to give them value. It's the thing that they uh, think is going to have people look at them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it becomes an idol. And there's so many different things. Even like in my own life, I've always struggled with this this um, selfish and ridiculous desire to to try to be the smartest person in the room, not because I ever thought I actually was the smartest person in the room, but, but because I always felt like I wasn't. Yeah. And so therefore I had to read and study and um, do all these different things yeah. because I thought that was what was going to give my life purpose when in fact it just, it became an idol mm-hmm. and, um, and it, it can't take the place of Jesus. Right. And so what we want to do is be able to, when we hear these stories, relate that to how that thing that they think is going to save them is not really what's going to make their life happy. Right. And not only that, but that main problem in their life isn't really the biggest issue that they're facing. Right. And we can use that issue as a, again, a springboard into making a bridge to the gospel and what their real problem is. Right. So like they're, they're recognizing this, this, this structure of, of there being a problem and they're, they're needing to be a way to fix that. Right. And then, and then a, a feeling of completion of that being done, right? Um, and and a feeling of being fulfilled, and, and like and so they're recognizing that like this is a thing, you know, yeah. this is a need in my life. Um, it's just they're sort of applying the wrong thing to that formula. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even starting at a wrong, or even beginning at the the wrong starting point. And so one yeah. of the things that we want them to, uh, or with this, with the authors of this book, want them to get to. So take that example of the um, the food. Uh-huh. Um, so if uh, if you'll remember, it was the creation was that I'm meant to be happy and valued. The fall or problem is I'm not physically attractive enough because I'm overweight. And then the redemption or the, the salvation comes from I can change through willpower, weight loss, and exercise. And then the result of that, the consummation, will be that I hope that my body will be transformed because then I'll be appreciated, happy, and valued. What we want them to get to eventually is the formula that looks a little bit more like this. I'm meant to enjoy God and enjoy his gifts. That's creation. Mm -hmm. Then the fall, the problem, is I used God's gift of food to replace God and find myself enslaved by food and filled with shame. And then the redemption or the, the salvation point is Jesus restores me by offering his body in my place and he invited me to a meal with him. Uh, then consummation, the outcome of that would be I can find lasting satis- uh, satisfaction in Jesus, the bread of life, so I'm liberated from my need for refuge in food. And yeah. so the real problem is not that she is or the or he is uh, having the, and this is just a hypothetical scenario, yeah. obviously, but the the problem wouldn't be necessarily that they they need to exercise and they need to to get their body into a certain way in order to feel like they have purpose in life in order to feel like they have value in life. But the real thing is is getting them to make God the priority in them in their life and see that they have tried to replace God with something else. Yeah. And that they have a deeper issue that they have tried to fix with food. And now they're trying to fix with exercise. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And I think that can apply to man. So I many mean, different situations. Everything, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it, it absolutely does because because 
everybody feels that. Literally everyone. And one of the ways that we can make these gospel connections with uh, with the people who are going through these things is is to ask questions. We talked about it last week, right? Uh, is to ask pointed questions about okay, so like so you know for instance if somebody said you know it would be easier if if you know food didn't exist and you ask well you know why do you think that it's like because I wouldn't be tempted with food it's like well you know why do you think you're tempted with food person may open up and say well you know just anytime i get sad i i start eating food and then you can start asking well why do you get so sad why do you replace or why do you think that food is going to help and you start asking right. these questions and you start building these bridges right. and you start getting like, to what the do you point. think would help and you know what are yeah, yeah yeah right exactly you're really investigating deeper into their heart and their desires exactly past um, past a material right thing you know right yeah absolutely and then so finally it, it says one of the things that or I guess four things that are good for you to think about when you are having these conversations and when you're listening to these stories and seeing that, um, oh man, this person is telling me their quote unquote, you know, gospel story, mm-hmm. um, which isn't our typical thinking of a gospel story, right. but you know, their own, but it's their version. It. Right. Start asking yourself these questions. And these are the questions that they, I'm totally stealing from these guys, but it is awesome. Again, the book is everyday church. Pick it up. That's great. Um, but the questions to ask yourself is what do they believe or not believe about God? What do they want or what are their idolatrous desires? Mm-hmm. How do these idolatrous desires control their lives? And then which of the four liberating truths is the most relevant to their situation? So these four liberating truths that they're talking about is what aspect of God will liberate them from the problems that they're that they're feeling and that mm-hmm. they're that they believe that they have and those attributes are God's greatness, glory, grace, uh, and goodness of God. So how can those things help the problem that that person is having? And how can I connect that to their personal story? Right. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because I thought that was such a, a cool way to to think about having these conversations with people. Yeah. And it really is, you know, um, thinking from more of a, like a counseling perspective, thinking about the conversation you had with with Kelly Elliott, it really is like counseling. I mean that that's kind of how I see it at least. Yeah, um, absolutely. Is, you know, you're you're asking these pointed questions. You're really just being more curious and 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 helping them to sort of think through their sift through their own thoughts and their own feelings. Yeah. Um. And and you're offering some things that are liberating truths. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and you know, I guess whether they, whether they take those things or not is not up to us, you right, know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, it's really cool, you know? Um, and again, I feel like that is a, it's a way it's, it's in my thought, in my opinion, it's, it's a thought of, it's a type of evangelism that is less scary I, I for lack of better words. Sure, I don't yeah. like that word. Right. Um, but that's less intimidating, you know, that's more inviting. It's more um, open and gracious, you know, and genuine, I think. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, and I think that our problem can often come from kind of our our one-dimensional view of, of what evangelism is. Right. Because when you hear evangelism, you just think of uh, strictly telling someone about Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. Yeah. Which is, you absolutely need to do that. Yeah. Um, 
but what we often don't think about is how that that ultimately relates to a person's life because you're talking with them about their eternity. Um, but we, what we don't often think about is the creative ways in which we can share that message and how it applies to their here and now. Not saying that we should ever preach a like a prosperity gospel at right, all because right. that's not what the gospel is. The gospel tells us to come and die. Yeah. Um, but what we can do is we can show them the ways that uh, they are feeding their own misery in some ways mm-hmm. because they are trying to replace the all-powerful God with something that is temporal and just cannot save them yeah. Uh, yeah. From, from anything. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because, you know, we're so consumed in in our own sin that the thought of coming and dying doesn't sound liberating. Right. You know, we're like, no, I want to do what I want to do because I'm in control and like that's true freedom, but it's not, Yeah, you know, right. because we're slaves to sin. You know, we walk in darkness Yeah, and, and we don't, and we don't know, right. you know, um, until, until, until God shows us and, and opens our eyes. And then it's clear that like, there's something so much better when we die, you know, when when we go from this old self into this new self and into this new life with Christ, everything that we need or have is him. Right. Like and it's in him and it's it's just so backwards to the mm-hmm. way that we so naturally think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and I I find I find that that's um, I, I find that really hard to communicate mm-hmm. because, like I say, for me and we and I've said this so many times before, I'm very much a person that talks and and does things by feel, you know, um, and I'm not great at communicating feelings to thoughts and then thoughts to words, um, but it's just it's just it feels so different yeah. being in Christ versus not. Right. And and still feeling the pull of of my own sinful desires, knowing what I know about Christ and having the spirit living in me and sort of testifying and saying like like no, you know, like that's not, you know, like mm-hmm. this this freedom that you think that you have by doing these things that you want to do isn't freedom. Like it's slavery, but we're blind to that without Christ. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just really awesome, you know. And I mean, we're constantly trying to fight the temptation even as believers to chain our identities to things that uh that are temporal and to yeah. things that that ultimately are are just completely empty. Right. I mean, how often have I tried to, you know, find my identity in in what I do, uh, or yep. or in how many you know books that I've read or or whatever ridiculous thing that I've tried to yep. being uh, a doctor. Yeah. You know, like it's not right, and we we think that I think as Christians we we almost think that those things it are what will will save us in the end. But and and I think that's what unbelievers face 
to a higher degree because they are chained to these things that they believe will ultimately save them in the end when when they absolutely won't. Yeah. Um, you know, with the star athlete, what happens when you uh you know tear a ligament and you're done and you're just completely I mean you're you're out of it. Right. Uh one with with someone who spends their whole life studying and an academic who in in when they're elderly gets dementia and yeah. like it's all gone. Right. You know, right. It's, I, it's all dust. It's just nothing, you yeah, know. Exactly. Um, and and spending your life working for these things, you know, whether yeah. they're material or immaterial or 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 good things, yeah. you know, quote unquote, you know, or, or services. Yeah. And and um, you know, community service and you know, these are all good things. Yeah. But like without Christ it's still just nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know and without Christ it, it ends up becoming idolatrous. And even like the yeah. the the nicest, the best person in this world who does the who uh, does all the all the different charities and things like that and all these acts of service it, this is you know it's hard to say but they're ultimately acting in an idolatrous way either because they think that um, they themselves are good because they're doing these things or two they think that the ultimate good in in this life or in reality is to do good deeds and that is making an idol out of works and right. making an idol out of doing good deeds right even if they are altruistic about it because ultimately you're taking away the value of god when you believe that something else is the ultimate good even if it is a good deed yeah um and that's that's idolatry yeah um and like you said they they become slaves to it they they become uh, chained to these things that do not offer ultimate salvation only in christ can we find that freedom can we find that liberation yeah um and like in like you said like man like we have this feeling of freedom because of it because we are no longer a a slave to these things that we once tied our identity to that's that doesn't hold anything over us anymore because our identity is in christ and that's a man that's huge yeah that's huge yeah and it's 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 like this weird paradox too because while while also feeling free and feeling like like yes i'm not chained to that anymore i'm also like oh christ everything right and and in a way i'm 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 both free from what i was in and and i'm now like a slave to this yeah but but in the best way, I, I don't know how to communicate no, know, that. You I know totally what I mean? Understand. Like, yeah, absolutely. Because like I mean, look at the end of Ephesians six when it's uh, when he's talking about the uh, the armor of God that, that yes. when you put on, you can resist all the you know the all the attacks on the enemy. And then you uh, you look at what Paul says at the end of that, where he's talking about, and we need to be praying for um, for this for all of the saints and for yourself. Um, but we are praying for these things that are provided by Christ and that's who I want to be chained to. That's that's yeah. basically what Paul says. I want to be chained to this Christ because in him is my rest and my foundation, the cornerstone. He is unmovable. So if like we want to be chained to something that is immovable, not chained to something that is just going to fade and vanish and wither over time. Yeah. Um it's something that is that is ultimately good and ultimately loving and ultimately just those are the things that we want to be chained to yeah not 
anything else that is lesser than that. Right. And that's what we get with Christ. That's what we get with the Trinitarian God. Yeah. And, and praise God for that, you know? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. And that's man. the gospel. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> Getting excited. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you know, like, I, like, I'm pumped up about this because, like, partway through this conversation at, like, my nose literally blocked. Like, I, no air was passing <laughs> through my nose and I didn't even care. I was going. going and you're using your hands a lot. I'm using my hands a lot. I get excited when I, I like talk it. about this stuff. But. I like it. All right, so that was that portion of the podcast. We're actually moving on to a semi-brand new, new right? portion of, yeah, a new segment of the podcast, which is the Q&A, which you can be a part of too. Um, if you want to submit questions for us to answer on this podcast, uh, then all you have to do is go to truth, or no, sorry, patreon.com slash T, the number four, D, dot com. Oh, no, I said that completely wrong. If you want to be a part of this portion of the podcast, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash T, the number four D, and become a supporter for as low as $5 a month in order to submit us questions that we will answer on the air. Can you say that if it's a podcast? I, or is that just for like radio? I don't I don't really know. On the air. We on will answer air. it on the air. I feel like you have to say that differently. Well, and, e- and even, I feel like uh, answer is a loose term there. Um, discuss maybe? Cause I'm not sure. I, sure. I, 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 speaking for myself, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, you know? Sure. I yeah. mean, try to answer. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. Call, we called it a Q and a, so Q questions question and answers. And, That's right. Yeah. Is there we put ourselves on the spot, we exactly. ourselves into a corner right. here. So I'm going to ask you all of the questions Okay. and then got to answer. All right, let's do this. Uh, so, well, the first question comes from, um, uh, a Patreon supporter and she wants to know, what do you say to people who don't believe in the divinity of Christ? Mm. So what do you say to people who don't believe in the divinity of Christ? Should we give this person a shout out since they're a, uh, is this, should we keep these, um, should we keep these more anonymous? I'll yeah, keep it more anonymous. Okay. Um, just, just to be on the safe side. Yeah. I'll, I'll, in the well, future, and it, that I'll may encourage wanna... more people to ask more questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause okay. I don't want them to like. Because some people ask questions that they themselves are struggling with. Yeah. And then other people ask questions that people that they know are struggling with. Yeah, And so right. I'll, I'll ask. I'll, from now on, I'll, I'll ask them if they want us to give them a shout-out. Okay. If, if they do, then I'll give them a shout-out. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, Thank so, you guys for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it up and, uh, and join so you can ask some too. Uh, so, so the divinity... Well, say the question again. Uh, so what do you say to people who don't believe in the divinity of christ believe do it believe (laughs) question answered okay let's move on yes so Uh, well yeah my answer to that is so yes i believe christ i I guess the question you're asking is that don't people who don't believe that christ is god essentially is that the question yeah absolutely okay um so the way i would answer that is what we talked about this yesterday i guess or the day before that the first thing that comes to my mind is thinking about uh christ and if i believe historically that he was real if i if if i believe that the you know that the bible is what he said and that it's accurate and that kind of stuff then reading the things that jesus taught and reading the statements that jesus made he either was god 
or and and I'm stealing this from I'm not stealing. I'm just there's the same idea that C.S. Lewis kind of laid out. Um, maybe in Mere Christianity, I don't know. One of his numerous books, they're all really awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so Christ said that he is God, essentially. Uh, I, I don't know if he actually ever said that, said that, but he, he insinuates that multiple times. And so he either is, and he's telling the truth, or or he's not. And a lot of the things that he said were just lies because they weren't true, or he was just a crazy person who said crazy things. Right. You yeah. know? Um, um, what... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, there's an alliteration there, Lord, lunatic, liar, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the whole right. little argument there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and for me, reading through the Bible, mm-hmm. um, the consistency of what Christ teaches and the consistency of, of the things that he does, um, I, I don't think that he would be lying about that. Um, I, I just don't think that it's consistent. And, and also, I don't think that he would be a crazy person. That doesn't seem consistent either. Um, and so that's sort of the beginning of my thought process. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to that that you can add. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I think you, you started definitely at the right place. I think when we're tackling this question, we first have to look at what Jesus said about himself. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times people will throw out there that Jesus never actually claimed that he was God. And while he didn't use those words specifically, right. he did he did do the equivalent of saying that he's God. Right. Um, so you just have to look at John 10, 30, where it says, I and the Father are one. It's hard to get any more clear That's than that. That's pretty obvious, exactly. right. Exactly. Another one is found also in the book of John, 858. John 858. And it says, before Abraham was... I am, and that's alluding to when Moses was talking to God in the burning bush when he right. says, I am. It's the same language. Uh, and so he is equating himself with the Father. Yeah. Not saying that he is the Father, and he's just a different mode mm-hmm. of of God the Father. That would yeah. be a, a heresy called modalism. Um, but that he and the Father are of equal value and that he and the Father are one. Yeah. So you can't really use the excuse that God or that Jesus never called himself God Mm -hmm. because it's pretty clear in the gospel that he is saying that he was God. And you only have to look uh, at the reaction from the Jews to see that he was making these claims. Oh, right. Yeah, because if you look at the reasons why the Jews wanted to get rid of him, it's because he was blaspheming in their opinion. That's why they were so angry. That's why they wanted to crucify him. Yeah. Uh, And so you only have to look as far as the Jews to see the evidence of Jesus claiming that divinity. Um, And yeah, like you said, and not only that, but Jesus also predicted his death and resurrection in John 2, 18 through 22 as well, which we'll touch on again uh, here in just a second. But yeah, like you said, man, uh, he is either a liar, a madman, or he's telling the truth. Those are your only options when you're looking at the gospel accounts. Um, and seeing them as a historical account of this man named Jesus, mm-hmm. but the uh, the problem is that that honestly, man, anyone can claim to be God, uh, but Jesus is actually the only religious figure to uh, predict his own death and resurrection because all other um, beginners of religious institutions weren't uh, bold enough to make that claim. Mm. Um, you don't, you won't see it with Muhammad. He never uh, predicted his death or resurrection. You don't see it with uh, Gandhi. You don't see it with, with 
Buddha, anyone, none of them claim that they would be resurrected. Or none of them, also, none of them claim to be God. Now, there's been some lunatics throughout history who have claimed to be God. Right. They're very clearly lunatics. But, so you kind of have to look at the rest of the evidence as well. Not Mm -hmm. only just the claims of God being divine, but the rest of the evidence. um, Mostly when it comes to the resurrection, to see if what he was... Uh, saying was correct. Yeah. Um, so there are there are roughly five. There's more, but just for the kind of the sake of time, we'll just go over five of them. Evidences yeah. of the resurrection. Okay. Um, and the first was that Jesus was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and that it was guarded. Now, the facts I'm about to give, including that one, are agreed upon not only by Christians, but also non-Christian scholars too. Okay. Uh, that's an important point. And uh, they're not necessarily making any claims about it, but they're saying that these are kind of undisputed facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so one was that, yeah, Joseph was buried in the Joseph, or sorry, Jesus was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, um, which if the story of Jesus was manufactured, they probably wouldn't have picked Joseph of Arimathea to bury Christ. And the reason why is because Joseph was part of the council that decided to go after Jesus part of the Jewish council that decided to go after Jesus. And so Mm. it doesn't really make sense that they would kind of manufacture that and make him the person that buried Jesus. Right. Um, Even though there's, you know, there's evidence that he was a, you know, kind of a secret follower of Jesus. Um, The second is that on the third day, he was found by Jesus's followers who were specifically women. They note specifically that the first people to discover that the tomb was empty were, were women. Yeah. Now, the reason why this is evidence for the resurrection, you may have heard this before, um, but the reason why this is evidence for it is because it doesn't really make sense in that time and place to list women as your uh, first eyewitnesses, simply because the eyewitness testimony of women in that time and in that culture wasn't really worth much. Mm. So that's like a cultural thing. Yeah, exactly. And so um, if it was a manufactured thing, you would... You would see that completely omitted. You wouldn't see that at all. You would see um, one of the eleven remaining disciples, because you know Judas hung himself. One of the mm-hmm. eleven remaining disciples finding the empty tomb first. Mm-hmm. But it adds authenticity for it to have been women recorded as seeing the empty tomb first. Yeah. So that was another another reason for it. Um, let's see what else. The third is that early Jewish writers claim the tomb was empty as well. So you see, um, Justin Martyr, who was kind of an early Christian apologist, you see him, um, in his writings kind of combating, uh, the reasons why the Jewish community thought that the tomb was empty. And they thought that, um, the tomb was empty because the disciples stole the body. Okay. So not only, um, did the early Christians believe that the tomb was empty, but also the Jewish scholars as or the, the Jewish community as well claim that the tomb was empty, even though they had a different reason for it. Right. And that was what Justin Martyr was, uh, or at least some of his writings was about, was answering that accusation. Um, you also see uh, Tertullian, who was in the second century, um, in his responses to the attacks um, by the Jewish community that the body was stolen as well. And so you see the empty tomb, not only in Christian writings, but also in early Jewish writings as well. So that points to... You know, again, not necessarily the the resurrection, but at least the tomb being empty. Yeah. So um, the fourth was Jesus appeared to groups and individuals in separate and very different occasions. 
Um, and that's really important because you that gives us eyewitness testimonies to the resurrection of, of Christ. Um, so he didn't only appear to the disciples. And so it wouldn't just be a manufactured thing amongst these group of people who right. just kind of try to make this conspiracy theory that Jesus rose from the grave. Right. Um, and he also appeared to 500 other people, um, mm. at least. Not only that, but but Paul is so confident in these eyewitness testimonies that he also points to it in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you're not confident in people being true eyewitness to a certain event, you wouldn't really be like, hey, yeah, go talk to those people over there. They saw it happen too. And right. he says, most are still living. Go, go find this out for yourself. Um, because, I mean, you don't know if they're going to, tell the truth or not or you don't know if they're uh if it's not real then why would they right why would they lie if it was a yeah like and if it was some manufactured thing you wouldn't know you like you wouldn't know if they had if they like have their story right or you know yeah absolutely right yeah and then some people will also say that well it is a um the appearance of jesus was a hallucination um the problem with that is that all of the accounts of jesus appearing to the individuals, and not only the individuals, but also the groups of people, it's not consistent with hallucinations. And you may know more about this than me, since you're a doctor. Yeah. Um, but usually when you have hallucinations, you're not having hallucinations as a whole group in the sense that you see the exact same thing, you hear the exact same thing. There'll be different different stories of what you see and what you hear. Right. It's usually individualized. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this wasn't. Um, and it, every story was exactly consistent with all the other stories. And so the idea that it was simply a hallucination doesn't really hold up. Yeah. Um, finally, the the fifth reason why we can kind of you know believe in the resurrection is that there was a drastic change of mind by people like James. Uh, people mm-hmm. like James were not believers uh, before they saw the resurrection of Christ. And not only the the change of heart in uh, in people like James. Uh, but also the disciples' willingness to be martyred for the fact that Jesus rose again. Right. They had no reason at all to to believe in the resurrection. In fact, they had every reason not to believe in the resurrection. Um, the resurrection of the dead wasn't necessarily consistent with uh, uh, the typical Jewish teaching. They knew that if they went forward with this belief, they would be mocked and ridiculed. But not only that, but as a lot of... As what happened to a lot of the disciples, they would be martyred and killed for right. those beliefs. So there is absolutely no reason for them to want to make up the story of Jesus' resurrection and not only make it up, but be willing to die for for the lie of Jesus' resurrection. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, and so those, kind of all those reasons combined, it's kind of a uh, cumulative, how do you say that word? I'm really bad. There's certain words Cum- I'm really... Cumulative. A cumula- cumulative... Case <laughs> for the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. It's not just one reason. It's not just two reasons. It's a whole bevy of reasons why we can trust in the resurrection of Christ. And if we can trust in the resurrection of Christ, we can trust in the divinity of Christ. Because right. uh, what uh, I think it's William Lane Craig, he may have said this, um, but the resurrection is God's uh, apologia or God's apology mm. for the divinity of Jesus, his reason that the the divinity of Jesus is true. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and again, coming back to what Jesus said, if if the resurrection is true, then then it means that everything that Jesus said is true. Yeah. And again, right. If you look back at what he said, it's consistent with, you know, 
his divinity. Yeah, absolutely. And it, so much of our, actually all of our faith rests on the resurrection. Uh, there's so much that, um, I mean, even Paul says that if the resurrection is not true, then Christians above all else should be pitied. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's completely true. Um, because if the resurrection is false, then what Jesus said about himself is false. And not only that, but what Jesus said about um, the rest of Scripture, the Old Testament, is false right. I mean, or not true. Everything true. breaks down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so everything hinges on the resurrection of Christ. And we have very good reasons to believe in it. It's not just this thing that we have to take with uh, just a blind leap of faith. Even though there is a faith component to it, obviously. But uh, that faith is undergirded by historical facts that we can rest in. Yep. So that was question one. Very cool. I can't breathe through my face. <laughs> Your dying. nose is completely gone. <laughs> no, I'm. Oh man, I'm really struggling. Um, but we got one more question to make it through. How much time we have left? Ah, it'll be like an hour with edits. Yeah, we're fine. We're good. Question number two was uh, a question that heard before but not often uh it's a really interesting one and uh the question is god is the manifestation or the summation of all of the good emotions and thoughts of humanity and that's what god is okay so what are your immediate immediate thoughts when you hear that well well, that's a hard like thing to wrap your mind around well, my my first thought is define God, because if yeah. I guess, and I, my question is, is that question saying the God of the Bible is our thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. is or the collection of our thought, good thoughts and feelings, or is it, or is it this idea of a higher God? may or may not be the God of the like Bible. Like some sort of higher being. Right, of, right. Yeah. You know, this, quote, God, right. you know, is that. Right. Um, because if in the instance of the former, um, I read just read the Old Testament. Like, God's just and God's working his plan through his people, mm-hmm. Israel, and and working that towards redemption through Christ, not everything was good thoughts and feelings. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Sure, yeah. Um, I know. I, and so I, in my mind, that's just not consistent. Right. Sure, if, if it's sort of a new idea of just this higher being God, I, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I that's a different question yeah. in my mind. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I'm not really sure the exact question that they're asking. Sure. I have a feeling that it may be the latter. Yeah. You know, um, is this idea of a God of a higher being mm-hmm. just all of our good thoughts and feelings yeah. that that's something that's a different question. I think. Yeah. I, and I think I would go about it the exact same way. Um, so I think that, yes, we would have to establish first whether this person is talking about their belief of the God of the Bible mm-hmm. or if this is their just general belief of a higher power and yeah. what they believe that higher power is. Right. And I think that uh, you would kind of have to, like you said, you would have to tackle it two different ways. Um, if it is, this is just their particular belief in a uh, higher being. I think that you would have to explain to them how 
there's there's actually a lot of different things that that would that that you would need to kind of bring up in order to show that that can't necessarily be the right particular way. Um, okay. And so one of the things that you would want to do is is start by asking them the five big questions of life. Okay. Um, right. And asking them how they would answer each one. Um, how do they believe that we got here? Um, would be definitely one to start with. Mm-hmm. So did this higher being also create everything that we see? Mm-hmm. And then if so, if he created everything that we see, including ourselves, how did he do that if a human emotion was required in order to create the higher being to begin with? Right. Because remember, their belief is that um, a that this higher being was created by our good emotions. Mm-hmm. But there's a chronological fallacy going on there. Yeah. Because it's kind of like the chicken what before came the egg. What came first, kind of right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and so if they're saying that this higher being is... Uh, dependent on a human mind for existence, then it could not have created everything that we see here. Right. That's a good point. And then at that point, you have a problem. Then how did everything that we see come about? Yeah. Uh, Not only that, but how does impersonal emotions turn into a personal God that we therefore have to answer to for morality? Yeah. Um, Does this powerful being, this all-powerful being, um, create this uh, objective moral standard that we have to adhere to? And if so, how does that work? Yeah. And just asking these questions. Right. Because your good may be different than my good. You know? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So your good emotions or the things that equal good thoughts for you may be evil in my summation. Yeah. And so that there's also there's also a contradiction, contradiction there as well. Right. Um, and so... There are there are several things wrong with it, and I think we don't have as much time as I hoped to answer this question. So I think we may do a part two to this question yeah. next week because I think this is an awesome question. Kind of walking through again the five main questions. Yeah, because I feel like how we haven't we even use, made it through those. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. how we can use those to answer this particular question? Um, but not only that, but you also have an issue with if the God of the universe or this this higher being mm-hmm. was created by the thoughts and emotions of of the world. What about evil thoughts and emotions? Why is it only good emotions or good thoughts that create this higher being? Mm-hmm. Who decides that it was the good thoughts versus the evil thoughts that cre- that manifested this higher power? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the more that you ask those questions, the more it starts to break down that entire worldview. So that that's kind of how I would go about it. Yeah. Um, by asking a lot of questions first, mm-hmm. by pointing to the chronological fallacy that is kind of going on there. Yeah. Um, with a higher being having to be dependent on a human mind. So yeah, that's, I think that's, that's how really I would good start stuff. that. Yeah. But and again, we're, there's I so much depth to that, yeah. you know, and I think we can get into it a lot deeper. Yeah. yeah. So let's have a part two to that question. Maybe that's what we'll talk about the the main portion of our podcast next week yeah uh, is is kind of diving into that um if not then we'll we'll tackle it in our q a segment too cool cool um but uh sorry for not fully answering that question now we are out of time you got to go home to your lovely wife and child and i got to go home to my lovely wife because it is late o'clock 
Late o'clock. Yeah, it, it is. is. It, it is. really is. I have no I idea like what time it, it is, though. But I know it's late. I promise you're not boring me. I'm just sleepy. That's why I keep yawning. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Um, well, anyway, thank you so much again for listening. If you want to support the uh, Truth For Doubt ministry, go to truthfordoubt.com slash give or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash T, the number four D. Thank you guys so much, and um, we look forward to the next one. All right. Till next time.